0: Farm talk on C one hundred and three with the Dairy Gold Prime Elite Rumi Force calf cube. Maximize calf performance and health at grass by optimizing the function of the
1: rumen.
2: Welcome to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk program with John O'Connor. Later in the program, Eva Bergen, Dairy Gold Agri Farm Support Lead, looks at the calving season and the various types of milk replacer and calf feed rations available plus an evaluation of automatic calf feeders. The ICMSA set out Essentials for Independence and Agriculture Appeals Review Panel. ICSA, Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association, contend that Aldi advertised price cuts on beef and lamb will simply perpetuate unrealistic expectations and will impact on the price paid to suppliers, they suggest. Cork IFA will hold a protest... At the forthcoming Cork County Council meeting, Monday 26th February 2024 at 9.30am at the Council offices, County Hall, Cargrahan Road, Cork. Cork farmers are urged to support this protest. The protest is part of the IFA's Enough is Enough campaign announced by IFA President Francis Gorman recently. Lane Giles, Agricultural Sustainability Support Advisor with Clonacilty Agricultural College in the west of the county, looks at various ways in which farmers can stem or eliminate the escape of nutrients into streams and the water system. Speaking in advance of addressing the Joint Committee for Agriculture, Food and the Marine on the draft bill to establish the Review Panel for Agriculture Appeals, I seem to say, President, Mr. Dennis Drennan, said the independence of the review panel will be essential and that certain conditions were necessary if that independence was to be recognised and unquestioned. Mr. Drennan said, quote, every year... ICMSA deals with members who've sanctions imposed on them under various Department of Agriculture Food and the Marine schemes and who appeal the decision. Mr Drennan goes on to say that every year ICMSA deals with members who've had sanctions imposed on them under various Department of Agriculture Food and the Marine schemes and who appeal the decision. He said this is a hugely stressful process for many farmers with a loss of income, amongst other issues – And in the context of the amendment being proposed, it is just essential that farmers will have confidence in the new system and that the decisions taken are fair and reasonable. And to that end, Mr. Drennan says, the ICMSA believes that several specific measures would greatly help instill that farmer confidence in the new regime. Firstly, the ICMSA believes it's essential there is adequate farmer representation on the review panel. Under the proposed legislation, the Minister appoints members of the review panel, but there is said to be no specific reference to farmer representation on the panel. Mr. gentleman went on to point out there are a number of precedents in relation to farmer representation on review panels which have operated fairly and reasonably. He said it is simply essential there would be farmer representation on this critical review panel. He said... The review panel should have the power to set its own regulations while obviously respecting national and EU laws. Under the draft bill, the Minister might set down regulations and the ICMSA considers this to be a retrograde step. If the review panel is to be independent, it should have the power to set down its own rules and procedures and not be dictated to by the Minister of the Day. Mr. Drennan says the review panel should have the power to elect its own deputy chairperson and not be a ministerial appointment as proposed in the draft legislation. Finally, he said, a six-month time frame for a decision on an appeal should be set down in legislation. The ICPJ president said, at a time when farmers need to feel confidence that agricultural appeals will be heard fairly and relatively promptly, We urge the Minister and the Department to take on board these ICMSA proposals and thus set out the independence of the review panel in a way that is incontrovertible. Mr. Grennan said we badly need to rebuild farmer confidence in the whole system of government interaction with farmers from its present, what he called, unsustainably low level. Part of my statement there from the new ICMSA President, Mr. Dennis Grennan. The ICSA beef chair, Mr John Cleary, has questioned the Aldi claim that their latest round of price cuts would not impact on the prices paid to any of its suppliers. Mr Cleary said Aldi's assertion that their price cuts would not affect their suppliers was simply unacceptable. Mr Cleary was speaking following Aldi's announcement earlier they'll be reducing prices on a range of products, including Irish beef and lamb. Mr Cleary said, our beef and lamb producers are producing top-quality food to extremely exacting standards, and they're doing so under serious financial pressure. In most instances, farmers are struggling just to meet the bare minimum costs of production. It was incredulous, he suggested, that slashing prices on products that are already undervalued would not have a detrimental impact on suppliers. Part of a long statement there from the ICSA National Beef Chair, Mr John Cleary, questioning the Aldi claim being advertised that cuts on beef and lamb would not affect prices paid to Aldi suppliers. Writing in this week's Irish Farmers' Journal, Ms Katrina Morrissey, Deputy Editor of the Journal, points out the number of TB outbreaks in Irish cattle herds has hit a 10-year high, Herd incidents, the number of herds that experience a new TB breakdown in a 12-month period, increased to 4.89% last year from 3.64% in 2014. TB reactor numbers also continue to increase, with reactor numbers up 5,500 head to reach almost 29,000 in the last year. This was a 24% jump between 2022 and 2023. The cost of the TB programme is now more expensive than ever. The total cost of the programme was €74.2 million in 2023, an increase of almost 30% in the previous year. Ms. Katrina Morrissey, quoting the Irish Farmer's Journal analysis, shows there's more funding being pumped into TB eradication than into the circular carbon efficiency programme or the organic farming scheme. Full details on that story regarding outbreaks of TB in this week's edition of the Irish Farmer's Journal in an article by Katrina Morrissey, Deputy Editor of the Journal. Dr Siobhan Walsh, Tillage Editor, writing in the Journal, points out that the Food Vision Tillage Group has recommended that a tillage expansion and sustainability scheme should be established. Such a scheme would incentivise farmers to get into tillage, provide a maintenance payment over a five-year period, as well as providing payments to farmers already in tillage who are implementing environmentally friendly farming practices. The group met on Wednesday, 21st February, to discuss what's thought to be the final draft of the report to be presented to the Minister of Agriculture, Charlie McConnog. The group has also suggested that high-grade land suitable for tillage should be restricted from converting to solar farming and for, quote, Green Taxation to provide incentives for land to be leased instead to tillage farmers. The full analysis is available in this week's Irish Farmers Journal by Dr Siobhan Walsh, Tillage Editor for the Journal. IFA Animal Health Chair Mr T.J. Maher said, delays encountered by some farmers in having their calves registered through the new National Genotyping Programme were unacceptable. He said the IFA is engaged directly with ICBF on the issue over the past few weeks and the announcement by ICBF recently that delays in the genotyping process regardless of the reason will not now impact on the registration of calves. That, he said, was an important move. An efficient registration system for calves is crucial, he said, to ensure farmers can move their calves at the optimum time, maximising returns and aligning with established management practices on farms. The IFA Animal Health Chair, Mr T.J. Marr, went on to say it's understandable there would be teething problems with any new system of this magnitude and common sense has prevailed in the amendments announced. T.J. Maher said farmers had been frustrated at the length of time it was taking to process some samples which in turn was having a knock-on effect on calf registration. Mr Barr said issuing animal passports pending any retests or where a sample spends 10 days in the lab will remove the registration delays encountered. The IFA Animal Health Chair also recognised the changes to the programme whereby animal passports were issued automatically prior to retesting any empty or unsuitable samples. Mr. T.J. Maher said the changes announced should now ensure timely registration and orderly marketing of calves. He said the National Genotyping Scheme is a positive initiative and would no doubt deliver significant benefits in the medium term. However, he said, we also need to make sure that those participating would not be negatively impacted in their daily farm management practices. Part of a statement there from the IFA National Animal Health Chair, Mr. TJ Marr. Later in the program, Lane Giles, Agricultural Sustainability Support Advisor based at Clonikilsey Agricultural College, poses the following questions and attempts to provide answers and advice for farmers. What should farmers consider around the farmyard to try to improve water leaving their farm? What can farmers do at this time of the year to help protect quality water in streams? Are there management changes which farmers can make to slow the flow of nutrients off their farms and into streams and watercourses? Are there physical barriers that can be put in place to help retain nutrients on the farm? And details of the European Water Innovation Partnership and how farmers can can access funding when this is in operation. Next in the programme, Eva Bergen, Dairygold, Agri-Farm Support Lead, looks at various aspects of the calving season and how things are going at the moment. Also a look at what constitutes a good milk replacer and good calf feed ration. Also the weaning process, the move for calves from milk to grass and an evaluation of automatic Calf Feeders. That's next in the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme. We're joined on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme by Ms Aoife Bergen of Dairy Gold and Eva is the Agri Farm Support Lead. Eva welcome to the programme. Some very important points we want to cover for our listeners. Looking at the calving season, how is the calf season, the calving season, if you wish, going so far?
1: Hi, Don. Thanks for having me. Uh, so far, so good anyway. A lot of farmers are in the thick of it. And then I'm coming across other farmers and they're getting a bit of a slow start to calving season. But look, according to the figures, we're about 120,000 calves behind this time last year. So I think it's going to be an interesting spring. But look, a healthy calf is the main point.
2: That's wonderful. Of course, we know scour and things like that there Perennial things people have to be on guard against and uh, it's terrible if you lose a calf through something which could have been prevented if you were looking for the signs and you were aware it was going on. So, as you said, so far so good. Could we move now to a good milk replacer? People are always um, trying to get the very best milk replacer and looking to see is there something new available from Dairy Gold. One or two of the main points people should look out for when you're trying to get a good milk replacer for your calves.
1: Yeah, so look, I suppose the market is very saturated at the minute with milk replacers and I'd always say to farmers if they were a bit unsure to reach out to someone like myself or Kevin, my counterpart, Um, like there's a couple of questions you have to ask yourself and the type of system you're running. Um, What type of protein percentage am I looking at? What dairy products do I want the milk or derived from? And are the fat sources up to scratch? And by that, I mean, am I going to go 25% protein or 23 or 20 What type of tasks am I working with? What's their genetic makeup? Do I need the higher protein that are going to be a bigger cow? Do they need the frame and the growth? Or am I going to stick with the 23 Then you kind of have to ask yourself the dairy products. Will I go with a or a skin based milk replacer and both are fantastic but it's how you want to work what how what system you want them to work in. So basically the whey hits the stomach of the calf and it's available straight away for that protein hit. Whereas the skin comes in, it curdles and it uh, forms a clot and it's very, very slow release of protein. So that's where the notion of it working in a once a day system comes from. So Look, it's very individual, but there's a milk replacer out there to suit everyone and every system. So it's um, there's something there for everyone. That's all I'd be saying.
2: The right kind of milk replacer, plenty of products to choose from within Dairy Gold. Now, turning to calf feed, your calf feed ration, what to look out for in a calf feed ration? What kind of ingredients and composition, you know, would tell you your getting something which is very good, ideally the very best?
1: We cannot underestimate the importance of the calf ration. Um, ourselves here in Dairy Bowl, we launched a new calf starter ration called Prime Elite Roomy Starter. Um, it's a fabulous, fabulous product. It's 18% protein. It's made of all steam-cooked ingredients, barley flakes, maize flakes, soy meal, rapeseed meal, a really, really good product. They are essentially the key to starting the weaning process and getting that calf equipped to go out to grass. Um, as I said, you need that 18% protein to get that frame up in calves. And the palatability of a starter calf ration or a starter calf muesli, it's not to be underestimated. That is what's going to get that calf nose into the trough, get it eaten, get it off milk, and get it prepared for the for grass. Because, look, we're gotten so good at grassland management and growth it's very, very high in nitrogen. So when calves go out, they need to be equipped to the best possible way once they hit uh, that turnout period.
2: Now, Aoife, when we talk there about uh, getting something appetising and uh, nourishing for your calf as they start from weaning away from the milk onto grass. So the weaning process from milk to grass for your young calves, any pointers or hints which you can... Uh, Watch out for to make sure things are going well. And anyway, in helping your very young calf to wean successfully away from its mother's milk to grass.
1: Exactly. Look, uh, the first thing I'd say with wean into grass is reduce your volumes of milk slowly. Now, look, that's easier said than done. It, it's very easy on a an automatic feeder system or a computerized system, but. I'd wean them down slowly, gradually, over about two weeks. That's the rough rule at home. And I'd be decreasing the amount of milk they get every day by 200 to 250 mils. So that's not a big shock to the system. But uh, it's also enough to get them to turn their nose to the trough more and more every day so that they're nearly getting a full meal of rations, so that they are ready going out to grass. I know researchers say they need to be eating a kilo of concentrates consecutively for three days. I'd even say a bit more. As I said, we, we just have gotten so good at grass, you want to give them the best possible chance. Um, we need to not underestimate the importance of water for calves. Like that is, It is nearly the most important nutrient is water because when a calf drinks water, that goes straight into the rumen and so does the starter feed, whereas the milk goes into the abomasum. But you want that bacteria growing and thriving in the rumen, and that just won't happen without water. And then we have our little friends, the volatile fatty acids, and they are really what develop the calf stomach. So fiber breaks down into acetic acid, so that's the important of your straw. And then your starch from your, your cooked calf feed, they break down into your butyric and propionic, And butyric is the key there. That will develop that calf rumen to get straight out to grass, so it will.
2: Now, automatic calf feeders, on the face of it, it seems to be a very good labour-saving device, potentially. So, some of the benefits of an automatic calf feeder system and how to manage an automatic calf feeder successfully.
1: Yeah, look, um, as I said myself in heaven, we're out there every day now, nearly till April. We're calibrating feeders and if any issues come up... And, Even new entrants there getting feeders, we just have to make them comfortable with the system. But when that system works, it's fantastic. Number one, we all know it's labour saving. The research has shown it's saving about a minute per calf per day. And when you have a number, when that shed is full of calves, all the minutes add up. It's mimicking the calf's natural behaviour. They are consuming multiple smaller meals throughout the day. They can come and go when they please, drink what they want, when they want it. The freshness is also a massive thing for me. The machine mixes the portion when the calf comes in, so it's always fresh and the temperature is accurate. And look, technology has moved on so much. All of the feeders are nearly automatically calibrated or have a very, very simple process to calibrate. Each calf gets the correct amount of consistency of powder to water, and it's always dosed precisely. And I suppose when you transition from feeding to get an automatic feeder you genuinely turn from a feeder to a manager you get great data off these feeders you can cop a calf that's maybe coming down or coming under the weather with something before it even happens the data is there to see their milk consumption and their drinking speed so it's brilliant you get you're you're keeping an eye on the calves before something even happens so and also the last thing i say is it makes that weaning process easier most of my guys that have feeders i've been weaning down over two to three weeks it's coming down Two hundred mil a day, nice and slowly, and they're eating plenty of ration before they hit grass. So it is. Look, I know they're they're costly in this day and age, but it really is a long term investment for your farm and your calf shed.
2: More details about your milk replacer and calf feed.
1: Yeah, currently we have our Primalee twenty five and our Primalee twenty three, and with every five bags of milk replacer, there is a bag of calf feed free which is an opportunity there to, you can have a look at our new calf feeds that have launched. We have a brand new Prime Elite Roomy Starter Muesli, and we also have the Prime Elite Roomy Calf Pencil. So we have plenty of choice there, and our standard gold feeds that have been there all along, that have stood the test of time, they're also in the running uh, for the free bag offer. So it's very much worthwhile considering one of those milk replacers as you get 12 free bags of calf feeds on the pallet of milk Replacer. And you can contact myself or Kevin, if you've any queries in regards to uh, automatic feeders.
2: very handy number indeed to have for people to contact you, Aoife Bergen or Kevin, at 087-1898-417. 087-1898-417 as Dairygold. Thank you very much indeed. Aoife Bergen, Agri-Farm Support Lead with Dairygold, our sponsor. Thank you Aoife very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thanks
1: very much, John, for having me. Thank you.
2: You're very welcome. We are joined on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk Program by Mr Lane Giles, Agricultural Sustainability Support Advisor with Chagask in Clonaculte. First of all, Lane, welcome to the program. Before we start our main conversation, perhaps you could remind our listeners about uh, some very important upcoming events which you feel would be of great interest to our listeners, not least the forthcoming Green Cert course and a beef event.
3: Uh, yes, John, There's um, a new um, part-time green sort course starting um, between Mallow and Fomoy. target offices covering all of North and East Cork areas. This is a QQI levels five and level six course, and uh, apart from gaining the knowledge, the agricultural foundation knowledge, and the most practical uh, technical skills and uh, knowledge, uh, the green sort is required for young farmers to to get stamp duty relief and for farm succession. It's also required for farmers to get young farmers to get the the Tam scheme, among other um, Department of Agriculture schemes. Noreen O'Reilly, and um, or else even to speak to anybody in any Chackis office would be fine too. Uh, and Noreen's direct number is 087-657-2262. Any
2: other upcoming event you want to remind listeners about, Elaine?
3: There is indeed. Yeah, there's a there's a big event in West Cork um, coming up on the 27th of February. It's um, Dairy Beef 500 Farm Walk. It's on the farm of James O'Sullivan in Union Hall, and his air code is P81CK00. Um, so there there's a team of um, specialist advisors coming, and together with their local advi- with the local advisors, they'll discuss uh, Dairy Beef 500 farming systems, farming farm financials, calf management and calf feeding, spring grassland management and signposts, and planning for silage and weed control. And uh, there'll also be a fertiliser spreader calibration demonstration on the day.
2: We continue now with our main topic of conversation, working around water. What should farmers consider around the farmyard to improve water leaving their farm?
3: Um, Well, this time of the year, um, there's a lot of water flowing uh, off land and through farmyards and from farmyards. And I suppose it's, it might be a good time of a year to just identify where, these, um, where this water is flowing to and from, because invariably this water is carrying nutrients, and those nut- that nutrients um, can affect water quality uh, in streams and this. So I suppose it's, it's an opportunity to do a bit of a, an audit um, on what's happening and uh, just identify, you know, where the flows are. Uh, there might be water flowing into the air increasing. Um, let say, you know, adding to slurry storage and things like that, uh, adding to um, you know slurry storage requirements, and uh, so it's important to keep an eye on these things and maybe even do an audit of slurry storage requirement and soil water requirements over the coming months and put into place a plan to rectify if there's a deficit. Uh, farmers are now required to have dairy farmers are required to have in the region of a month's storage for uh, dairy washings. And uh, this takes a bit of calculation and a bit of um, planning to put into place and uh, just maybe to, this is a good time of year to consider doing that, um, to plan for it and to put it in place in the summertime.
2: Now, to reinforce uh, what you've been saying there, what can farmers do this time of the year to help protect water quality in the streams?
3: Water quality decline is excess nutrients getting into the watercourses, and uh to reduce against these, lo- these losses into the water courses the main thing is to apply just at the rate that the, the plant can take out take up those nutrients. and the, that of course depends on the, on the soil temperatures and the growth stage of the plant and that and it, uh, it's important to, to, to match the, these two things because it's only plants are the only means of uh, holding on to nitrogen from being leached uh, down into groundwater and uh, eventually ending up in the streams and back in the estuaries. So it's it's important not to to, um, put out more than those plants can take in at any any point in time. Another factor of this is, of course, the moisture content of the soil, and uh, fields that are um, saturated, and if there's nutrients applied on top, those nutrients are likely to run off uh, into the streams and drains, and uh, get lost from the system. Uh, So it's important to, I suppose, to realise that, and as well as that, uh, we've you know, during these heavy rains, we see a lot of sediment flowing off farms. Those sediments are typically carrying nutrients with them. You know, typically phosphorus, and uh, so it's important to 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 be mindful of that and uh, maybe slow the flow and uh, hold on to these things on the farm, if, if at all possible.
2: Can we make uh, management changes which would uh, slow the flow of these uh, nutrients off people's farms?
3: I suppose the the, the main thing to understand is there's um, a lost pathway. Of the different nutrients, and the two, two, two nutrients of concern from farms are typically nitrogen and phosphorus, and uh, they have different pathways. And um, you know, as well as that, there's different land types. Uh, some land some land types are uh, vulnerable to nitrogen loss, and others are more vulnerable to phosphorus loss. And uh, so, these uh, farms typically are a mixture of these areas. And uh, you know, it's it's important to to understand, I suppose. The risks involved in uh, applying nutrients on uh, vulnerable lands uh, especially at this time of year when nutrients are easily lost to watercourses and that so just an example of a let's say a free draining soil now would typically be more vulnerable to nitrogen loss and uh, soil that is a low permeability is more likely to lose phosphorus and uh, so i suppose picking a, a few to get the grass growing this time of the year uh, you'd be picking a a nice warm field, if you can, uh, with a gentle gradient, and uh, we'd be hoping to have a, a soil um, and enough grass in the field actually take up those nutrients um, when they're applied. You know, so there's a number of things to take into account at this time of year to protect water uh, in that sense.
2: Now, following up that, uh, trying to retain nutrients on the farm to, to prevent the escape of nutrients from your farm. Are there actual physical barriers that a person could put in place to help uh, retain nutrients on the farm?
3: There is indeed, yeah, and uh, those physical barriers are are quite effective at at stopping the the loss, uh, reducing the loss of phosphorus from farms, and uh, a small amount of phosphorus can make a big difference uh, to watercourses. You know, if if something like even, even less than up to half a kilo of phosphorus per hectare is lost, uh, this can have a, you know, a detrimental effect on the on the watercourses that it gets into. So physical barriers include, I suppose, um, typically riparian buffer zones, um, you know, so that farmers can stay back with the fertilizer spreader from the from the watercourses. And if rain comes in, there's a, a, an area of land that can uptake those nutrients before it actually reaches the watercourses. Uh, so the physical bar- barriers can be, you know. Even, even we, we we would recommend allowing uh, drains to green up, to to grass up, and that, and uh, in that way, those um, plants will uptake the nutrients before the nutrients actually enter into the water. Uh, so that, that's that's one side of things. We, I mean, there's a, a full suite of measures, I suppose, that we, we, we recommend uh, as mitigations for 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 overland flow, and uh, it's just physically slowing the flow down in the landscape. Um, you know, and, and that way, then holding the nutrients where they'll grow the grass and grow the crops uh, for the farmer, instead of being lost to the water. Uh, so it's, it's a win-win in that sense. Uh, for a few simple measures that can be taken on uh, to that, to that for, for that purpose.
2: Lane, I'm just wondering, the European Water Innovation Partnership. Have you heard anything about that? And uh, it, would there be funding attached to that? The European Water Innovation Partnership.
3: Yes, there's, um, there's, a, there's a what's called the EIP, a European Innovation Partnership, um, about to start and be announced shortly, and it's, um, it's the biggest one that has been been undertaken in this country. And it's, I suppose, with the aim of um, delivering targeted target, targeted actions to reduce losses of nutrients, sediment, and pesticides from agricultural lands. So, this, the, the aim is, I suppose, to, to to invest in up to maybe 15,000 farms across the country where water quality needs to be improved. And uh, it's, a, it's a project that will run between uh, until 2028. 20, and um, I suppose there's many benefits, you know, for, for for us all in terms of improving drinking water uh, quality and, and for livestock and for recreation and uh, for industries and, you know, even wildlife with benefits in that sense. So... The project's going to be focused on the, on the areas needing the most attention. Uh, so farmers within these areas then will be invited to participate, I suppose. Uh, and uh, in, this, in this way, um, you know, the, the, we get most of the benefits from, from the money invested. Now, the money is uh, in the region of £60 million, uh, So there's, I think, there's £10 million going for administration and £50 million meant to be um, given to farmers uh, for putting in measures, I suppose, that are... Um, uh, voluntary measures that go, I suppose, uh, over and above the regulatory requirements to keep water quality in, in good place, and uh, these will include, I suppose, spatially targeted actions and if, in, in also improvements in nitrogen use efficiency.
2: If a farmer wants to find out more about the funds and uh, the application, would this information be on one of your Chagos websites? I wonder.
3: Oh yeah, it, it'll be it'll be announced. Uh, I think even before the end of um, for the end of March. I suppose the thing to, to mention about it is that it, it, it's a tiered access. And um, so we have these prioritised areas of, for action in West Cork. We've um, 11, there's 180 across the country. And a, a lot of farmers in these areas have received um, ASIP assessments. I suppose we, these are the first place to start in relation to um, water improvement using, using this, um, this fund.
2: Farmers are concerned about losing the nitrate derogation altogether and the European Union have a rather um, dim view at this point in time of our water quality. They say it hasn't been improving, farmers are concerned. We might uh, not only lose the 250 derogation, but the 220 and uh, water quality, instrumental in Irish farmers losing their nitrate derogation. Speaking to Lane Giles from the Chagask-Clonkinsey Agricultural College, agricultural Sustainability Support Advisor. Thank you, Lane, very much indeed. Thanks, thank you, Lane. Thank you, John. We're joined on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk Programme by the IFA Munster Chair, Mr. Conor O'Leary. Conor, first of all, welcome to the programme. You might please remind our listeners which part of the county you're farming in, and indeed, about this forthcoming event, you might tell us, when and where this protest meeting is being held, the date the location, and some of the main issues you'd like to highlight.
0: Thank you indeed, John. And um, yeah, Conor area is the name. I'm from Dunamore, not far outside Mallow indeed, and uh, um, representing IFA. And it's off of the back of a, a very significant rally that we had just over two weeks ago, where in, in most counties in, in the country, farmers came out in their thousands um, and just held a night rally. And it signified really to everybody just how sick to the back teeth farmers are of regulation and the difficulties they have around complying, um, how it's affecting their income, and a huge concern about how to plan their businesses and the transfer of their businesses indeed to the next generation going forward. So huge concerns around that, John. Um, What we have now next Monday is a follow-on from that where we are tasked with visiting all of our county councils on their monthly meetings. So on Monday morning, we're going to gather at the county hall at the end of the straight road at half past nine. um, And we hope to meet the councillors as they arrive there up to their meeting at 11 o'clock. So at that, we will have national and EU asks, of course, of the councillors who are the, um, I suppose, one of the rungs in our governmental structure here in Ireland. And we'll have a, a number of significant issues and asks uh, as 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 is well known in Cork around nitrates and further risk to the nitrates derogation, um, but we also have, you know, frustrations around un- unworkable regulations, um, fair measurement of emissions, and the whole payment systems failure. What we've been uh, dealt with for the last number of years is layers and layers of new bureaucracy, uh, new types of schemes. And I think the whole thing has compounded now where it's in such a knot that farmers are finding it difficult, particularly tillage farmers, find it difficult to comply with the, the regulations, that one regulation doesn't fit, a, a new one that was brought in. And it could be a factor in how the systems, the payment systems, has, uh, uh, has manifested itself in, in, in such a difficult situation now where payments are months and months late, so in some instances Six months late and more but of course john we'll also have a couple of local asks here for the councillors and particularly pertinent to the local councils would be the planning process and how we how we uh, develop our 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 yards the new environmental standards there's also a a big issue about the whole zoned residential land tax that's ongoing with our councillors and we have the issue and has has come up quite a bit this winter now is the whole ash dieback clearance on the roadsides. So farmers are are being um, tasked with uh, possibly the removal of the ash trees along the roadsides that are currently dying away through a disease that was uh, imported. So we would say through the fault of the department and we really need to get to some kind of agreement with the councils as to how they plan to clear those trees uh, because they're a considerable danger to the general public. So, John, there's probably quite a a, a long list there. Um, And uh, why it's got so long at this stage, you you know, that really um, came out in the amount of people that came out two weeks ago uh, in that protest, because it's not just one sector here of farming, it is cutting across all sectors. And everybody at this point is just sick of regulation, how it's affecting their incomes, and a real concern is how they're going to be able to plan a viable business going forward. no one not only uh, helps farmers, but helps local communities, and particularly in a county like Cork, drives a huge amount of the economic progress and development that happens in this county. So that's what we're at, John.
2: And our own broadcast area, the Dairy Gold Farm Talk Programme, our own broadcast area throughout uh, Cork County, Cork North, East and uh, West. Of course, people in this area fully appreciate the value, the financial value to society and civilization here of farming. At one of your previous um, IFA protests outside council meetings in in Offaly, for example, county of Offaly, Mm -hmm. that agriculture contributes one billion to the local economy. Just imagine cork, the fantastic multiplier of that.
0: And the title of our action at the moment is uh, Enough is Enough. I mean it just ties back to just fairness for farmers and uh, what's very interesting is that while we see the European countries some of them going out over over different issues, you know it's, uh, it's diesel costs and the cost of doing business in Germany, it's regulation in France, but as the countries have been coming out and, and delivering or a- advertising their issues, Irish farmers are realising that they're all the same issues that we have. It's common across the EU now at this stage, and I think there needs to be a whole rethink in the way that the EU uh, deals with farmers, thinks about farmers, and possibly appreciates, appreciates farmers, and indeed appreciates food security. So we're talking about next Monday, the 26th, and it's at the County Hall at 9.30 a.m., now, some uh, will be taking tractors and, and some fire machinery, and people will be meeting earlier than that. There'll be a number of meeting points, one down Little Island, one around the Angler's Rest, another one down around Carrigaline areas. So we may go there in convoy. Uh, so we will be meeting a little earlier than that, but we'll all those advertised uh, through text and through our own WhatsApp messaging system. But anybody that doesn't get those, We will be meeting at the county hall at 9.30am next Monday.
2: And if you were asked to to pick one, if you had to pick one specific item which you regard as perhaps most important, the key to so many agri-sectors, would it be the situation regarding the nitrates derogation or is there something even more important than that?
0: I think it probably would be, John. I think the nitrates can come under what we would term as just the frustration at unworkable regulations. That that whole unworkable regulation stemming from Europe, um, stemming from the Green Deal uh, and the farm-to-fork, uh, has all of the commodities now. Our payments, our nitrates, our measurement of emissions, our land confiscation through, you know, SACs, forestry, and, and, and rewetting and so on, that all comes under what we would term frustration at unworkable regulations. And they're all uh, things that can be looked at again by the EU and don't have cost, don't have to cost the EU a lot of money.
2: Could you point to any tangible any tangible achievement by the various farmer protests right across Europe. We saw there where glyphosate recently, the very controversial issue of glyphosate, the use of glyphosate has been sanctioned by the European Union for another 10 years. But then in conjunction with that, we find there are moves towards gene editing. But if you had to pick on one or two achievements so far, which would help uh, be it the tillage farmers and glyphosate type uh, pesticides, et cetera, but... Any tangible achievements which you feel so far can be pointed to?
0: Indeed, there are a number of them, particularly around the chemical use in, in, in tillage. Um, there has been some relaxation in that. There's also a promise that the methane is being measured. is going to be relooked at or changed. Um, and that will be a big one. There's also one on industrial emissions where it was looking likely that any farm with 150 livestock units or more, which would be a 100-cow farm, would have to register as, a, as an industrial uh, emitter and would have to be licensed by the EPA. That has been removed now, and that will move to units. Uh, I think bovines are removed from that, but it will be it's moved to considerably bigger farms. So there have been quite a number of wins, but the significant thing here is We've got to get to a situation where new regulation that's brought in is given an amount of time to work its way through to prove that that regulation was genuine and worked. And that would enable farmers to be able to make a plan. We should be doing all these regulations in six- to eight-year periods where farmers have that length of time ahead of them to plan their business for that period. Very, very important. Our meeting is at 9.30, where we will try and meet the councillors at the county hall, uh, looking again for a big group, a group of tractors and farm equipment, if we can, to really put a show towards the councillors. And remember, we will be bringing on board here the, um, the EU um, candidates for the EU elections. And both those elections take place in May, I believe. Uh, so we have a short period of time here now, between today, the end of February and the end of May, to get our points and to get promises back from candidates who will be running for council positions and who will be running for EU positions. Because often what we find is once these guys get into power, that's the end of the delivery.
2: Well, certainly very interesting there to see what will happen, to see if farmers will actually come out and support this Enough is Enough protest meeting. And we would refer our listeners to Irish Farmers Journal article Saturday, 24th of February, 2024. IFA protests at County Council buildings, and that lists the various places that IFA branches have already had their protest meetings. But you're pushing, in particular, the one which is just right on us now, Monday, 26th of February, 2024, 9.30 a.m. at the council offices at County Hall, Cagrehan Road in Cork. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Conor O'Leary, IFA Munster Chair. Thank you very much indeed, Conor. Thanks a million.
0: Thanks so much, John. Thank you.
2: And that's our Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme for now. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to everyone who contributed to our programme, including guests, plus Barry O'Mahony, 96FM and C103, Head of News, Marie Tuig, 96FM and C103, News Reporter and News Reader, and also creator of the regular C103 homepage Farm Talk podcasts. The Farm Talk programme, 7am to 8am on Saturday mornings and on Wednesday evenings between 10 pm and 11 pm. A very special thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in.
0: Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold. Choose Gold Performance Pack includes biotin, yeast sac, and protected minerals
2: to reduce lameness, boost milk solids, and fertility.